Welcome to another episode of The Gospelpreneur, where we explore Bible secrets to prospering in wealth, health, relationships, and faith. Your host, Brother Andre, digs deeply into biblical science and practical applications while encouraging growth in all areas of our lives. So if you're ready to grow, let's enjoy this journey to biblical abundance. Here's Brother Andre. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Happy Sabbath to those of you who are watching, those who are going to watch later. Blessings on you. Uh, looking forward to opening the Word of God with you this evening. Been just talking to the Lord about what to talk about, and this is what He wants me to talk about. And I'm going to pull it up here on the screen. Welcome, welcome. We're going to be talking about learning to love God, but in particular, in the idea of visions and dreams. Okay, how God speaks. I want to. I want to make sure that we we kind of understand His interaction. Uh, with us in that regard and his purpose for our lives. So before we begin, let's have a word of prayer. Let's ask God for his presence as we're opening the scripture and that he will enlighten us. Father in heaven, I just want to thank you for your grace and mercy. I want to thank you, Lord, for not giving us what we deserve, but giving us what your dear son does. Lord, you have allowed for this technology that brings us together from all over the country and we want to use it for your honor and glory now. Lord, as we're about to open the Bible, as we're about to study inspiration, we pray for wisdom that is beyond our years, beyond our normality. We ask that you teach us, Lord, and speak directly to our hearts the specific things that apply to our souls. We love you, Father. We ask that you teach us to love you more than anything else in this world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So today... We're going to be dealing with a character. His name is Joseph. And as you learn to love God, there's a way that God seeks to communicate with each one of us. He may not talk to everybody the exact same way, but what he does do, he does talk to us. He does communicate with us. And in Joseph's case, he is a dreamer of dreams. And his dreams direct his destiny. His dreams direct his destiny. Now, I want you to open your Bible with me to Genesis. Genesis. Genesis chapter, I want to say 32. Nope. Genesis chapter 30. Oh, I'm off, off, awful here. Genesis chapter 38. That's what I, my mind got mixed up there. 37. <laughs> oh, boy. Genesis chapter 37. And we're going to start reading at verse number two genesis chapter 37 and verse number two the bible says these are the generations of jacob 
Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and with the sons of Zilpha, his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. All right, so again, this story is very familiar. I know you know it backwards and forwards, but I, by God's grace, we're going to pull out some things that you may or may not be familiar with or that will just be a refresher to, to be top of mind. So in this story, I just want you to notice off top that Joseph's father, the Bible calls him Israel in verse 2, loved Joseph so much that he made him a coat of many colors. He made him a coat that made him stand out from his brethren. And it's interesting because Joseph, as it appears here in verse 2, he is reporting, he's, he's a messenger, it's almost like a tattletale, on his brothers. Now, when, when it says he, he told the evil report, it wasn't that he was gossiping. He was just telling his dad, hey, dad, these guys are not acting right. You're not behaving properly. This is what they're doing over here, over there. And I know some people don't like folks like that, but in this case, there is nothing necessarily evil about what Joseph is doing. He's communicating and his father loves him and he's intimately desiring to show his love for his son and he makes him a coat of many colors. Now, when Joseph received favor from his father, he received a coat of distinction. You know, it's the same thing with us. When we receive favor from our father, he gives us a coat of distinction. It, it reminds me, it reminds me, go hold your finger there in Genesis. I want to go to Zechariah. If I'm correct, it's Zechariah. Zechariah chapter, Zechariah Malachi. Zechariah chapter 3. Notice in Zechariah chapter 3, the Bible says in verse 1, And he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. And the Lord said unto Satan, The Lord rebuked thee, O Satan. Even the Lord that hath chosen Jerusalem rebuked thee. Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? Now Joseph was clothed with filthy garments and stood before the angel, and he answered and spake unto those that stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him, and put and, and unto him he said, Behold, I have caused an iniquity to pass from thee, and I will clothe thee with a change of raiment. And I said, Let them set a fair mitre upon his head. So they set a fair mitre upon his head, and clothed him with garments, and the angel of the Lord stood by. You see that? This this nation receives favor from God and is given a coat. When you and I receive a favor, receive favor from God, we are clothed in the garment of righteousness. And sometimes, my friends, people will not respect that lifestyle. They will not respect that decision. And it's okay. And it's okay. You know, one time, I think I told you the story. I don't know. 
I talk so much as far as preaching is concerned. I, I get my stories mixed up with who I told it to. But I remember this one time I used to work at a uh, at a Burger King. And I worked at this Burger King and I was a great employee at the Burger King. Now, back in the day, and I don't know what they do now, but back in the day, they had these burgers, right? These patties, they were pink. And it's interesting because I was a vegetarian. So anyway, they had these patties that were pink and they put them on the conveyor belt. And as they went to the conveyor belt, they went into the oven thing. And when they went to the oven on the other side, they turned brown. I don't know if you guys seen that before, but they're pink when they go in. They turn brown on the other side when they come out. Now, some people that worked at that time, sometimes they dropped the burgers on the floor. Some of these guys did this and they took the burger and they put the burger on the bun. You know, they dusted it off, you know, and they put it on the bun and, and they put it through the drive through. People were not the wiser. They didn't know they, they were not the wiser for it. Me, on the other hand, never did that. I would never do that. Even if I, I didn't even eat meat, but I would not do that. And so they used to make fun of me. They used to call me Goody Two Shoes. Oh, Mr. Goody Two Shoes. He just he thinks he's better than everybody. I'm not thinking I'm better than everybody. I'm just thinking I'm not going to do that. You know what I mean? Like, that's not what I'm going to do. That's not what I'm known for. So anyway, my supervisor noticed my hard work and the diligence within the first two weeks of me being there and gave me a pen. You know, one of the pins you can put in your hat. So he gave me a pin and they put it in my hat. And I think I got a 3% raise or 3 cent raise, not 3% raise, a 3 cent raise <laughs> for the pin that they put in my hat because I was a good worker. Now to the, to the person in charge, they thought giving me that pin was a sign of, you know, of greatness that I was going towards. Do you know when I got that pin, people started treating me even worse at the job? Even worse, the significance of showing favor sometimes causes jealousy amongst those who are not receiving said favor. Remember, remember Cain and Abel? You remember one brings a lamb and the other brings a thank offering, which is fruits and stuff. One is receives favor from God and fire comes down from heaven and consumes that lamb. But the other does not receive that favor. And what happens with the other? The other becomes angry and wants to take out the life of the other individual that received favor. I hope you're following the idea. So when, when Joseph receives this coat of many colors from Israel or from Jacob, his brethren are upset. They're already upset that he's a favorite child. Now he has a coat that distinguishes him from everybody else. This is not okay, at least in his mind. So here's my question to you. It's a practical question, a practical question. Have you found favor with your heavenly father? Have you found favor with your heavenly father? Now, there is a, there is a biblical way to find favor. In other words, we don't need to make it up. We don't need to guess about how we come into favor with God. In fact, there are Bible verses that we can explore even now. So I want you to go with me to the book of Daniel. The book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 1. Daniel chapter 1. And this is, the book of Daniel is one of my favorite books in all the Bible. This is an amazing book. 
Well, right now we're just going to focus on one portion of the book, one verse of the book. Now, of course, you know that Daniel and his friends had purpose in their heart that they would not defile themselves with the king's meat, right? And in Daniel chapter 1, verse 9, and they have to ask permission, right? Permission to eat a certain way. So in verse 9, it says, Now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. Now, I thought this was interesting because it says God brought Daniel into favor with this, this, this man. Now, how does God do that? Does he just, is he just a, a respecter of persons? He likes Daniel more than he likes me. He likes Daniel more than he likes you. Is that what's happening here? No, my friends. There is a biblical science to favor. Go with me now to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs. Psalms, Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 3. Look at this. How does one come into favor? In Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. The Bible says, my son, my son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. Why? For length of days and long life and peace shall they add unto thee. So what will add length of days, long life and peace? The commandments, if they're kept. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. Bind what about your neck? Write what upon the tables of your heart? The commandments, mercy and truth. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the tables of thine heart. What will happen? So thou, so shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. So how do you find favor? You keep God's commandments. You allow God of heaven to write his law in your heart. Now, why is it? that God's commandments will be a part of receiving favor with God and man. Keep that question in mind. I want you to see this. Luke, Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, chapter 2, and verse 52. Luke, chapter 2, and verse 52. Notice what your Bible says. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Well, how does one come into favor with God and man? You, you respect the commandments. You keep the commandments. Think about this for a moment. I want you to process this in your mind. If one comes into favor with God and man and the commandments are required, what about the commandments are we looking at? The first four commandments, my friends, are about a relationship with the God of heaven. And the last six commandments are about a relationship with mankind. That's why you grow in favor with God and man, because you're learning to treat folks right. Do you know this, my friend? I'll tell you, I'll tell you the truth. Sometimes we've made this thing about the law of God, about this, this don't and do do, don't do this and don't. But the really the commandments of God are are, are an instruction manual on how to interact with your fellow man, respecting and loving them even when they're not lovable, okay? Imagine if everybody kept the commandments exactly how God said to do it. There would never be a cheater. There would never be a liar. There would never be a murderer. There would never be a one that curses and has false witness. There would never be anyone that dishonors their parents. You're talking about a whole change in society if folks just figured out 
how to apply the law of God in their experience. So how do you gain favor? Having the law written in your heart, bound about your neck. Now think about this. Why the heart? Why the neck? The neck is, you need this. You can pluck out an eye and keep it moving. You know what I'm saying? But if you take your neck out, you're not going nowhere. If you if your heart is taken out, you're not going anywhere. In other words, it is vital. Why the law around your neck? It's vital. Why in the heart? Vital. Wisdom manifested in rock form, biblical form, but manifested in the flesh in the person of Christ. These commandments are seen and shown how to live and how they're to be enacted. Okay, let's take this a tad bit further. A tad bit further. So question number two. What vision or dream has God placed on your heart and mind? What vision or dream has God placed on your heart and mind? Go back to Genesis chapter 37. Notice what the Bible says in verse number five. Genesis 37 and verse 5, the Bible says, And Joseph dreamed a dream and told it his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. And he said unto them, Here I pray you this dream which I have dreamed. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And behold, your sheaves stood and round about and made up obeisance to my sheaf. And his brethren said unto him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us? And shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. So think about it. Think about it. The dream was specifically given, specifically given to Joseph. When Joseph shared his dream with everybody else, everybody else was running the opposite direction. You crazy, Joseph. What are we supposed to do? Bow down to you? They did not understand the vision that God put on his heart. Please get this in your mind. Sometimes when God gives you a dream or a vision, it is not for you to look for affirmation from others who don't know the instruction or the person of God the way you do. Does that make sense? So when God puts a vision on your heart, that's a vision for you. That's a vision unique to you. And when he puts it in your heart, my friends, that means he's backing you up. He's going to help you through a process that will benefit you at the end of the day. Hope that makes sense. So when God gives you a dream or a vision, that vision or dream is for you. That goal is for you. It's not for everybody directly per se, but it is for you 1,000%. 1,000%. So keeping that in mind as we're moving you are looking at how do you find favor? Well, you you allow the God's commandments to be written in your heart. Well, how, what about this vision and dream? That vision and dream, the origin of such dream comes from the throne room, right? The origin of the dream comes from God. And if he's the origin of the dream, my friends, then you must go to him for the interpretation of said dream. In Daniel chapter 2, what do you have a vision of uh, uh, or, or implemented there? Uh, a head of gold, right? Nebuchadnezzar wants a head of gold, but in the dream, what did he what did he get? Head of gold, chest and arms of silver, belly and thighs of brass, legs of iron. So in Daniel, Daniel 2, he said, I don't want all that. I just want gold from the head all the way to toe. That way, this kingdom is gonna last forever. This is what he thought arrogantly in his mind. 
but no kingdom lasts forever. Even the United States of America is not going to keep going as it's been going. So what are we to do? We're to hang on super tight to Jesus. That's what we're to do. Not to let go. Don't let anything separate you from him. When that vision and dream is given, God sometimes in visions and dreams speaks to us in the language that we understand. So if you if you if you remember, if you remember, in this story there's a butler, and in this story there's a baker. The butler and the baker both have dreams, each one with the elements that they're familiar with, one with with the with the uh grape, the wine, and the other with the bread. And in the dream, the brother with the basket with the bread makes the bread, puts the bread in the basket, the birds come and eat the eat the eat the bread out of the basket. There was an interpretation for that. When the gentleman had drank the wine, had the tasting of the wine, his position was given back to him. That, that experience God gave him specifically because he could relate to the imagery. I hope you're following. So when God gives you a vision or dream, he's going to give you a vision or a dream that you can understand, that you can relate to. Okay? Because when he's communicating, he's communicating for your good and for your salvation. So I also want you to look at Genesis chapter 6. You don't have to turn there. But think about the imaginations of the heart of the people was evil continuously, constantly bad or negative. Hebrews chapter 11 this is a chapter of faith. Chapter of faith. All throughout, you have councils of faith, people that have victory over the sins in their lives. So what vision or what dream has God placed in your heart? Are you opening a missionary training program? Are you, are you going on a mission trip? Um, what, what is God's plan and his vision for you from him directly? Not yours that you made up, but the one that he placed for you. What has been your mocked by family, betrayal, thrown in pit, sold into slavery, false accusation, jail, and being forgotten experiences been? In other words, these are all things that just happened to Joseph. Did you, are you, have you been mocked by your family? Have you been betrayed by your family and thrown into a pit? Have you been sold into slavery? Have you, uh, have you received false accusations? Have you gone to jail or being forgotten in jail while the person that you helped is out and about this was the experience of joseph this was the experience of anyone who has a pulse that is trying to serve god listen if you're trying to serve god 100 i mean 100 not 50 not 94.6 not 99.9 but 100 when you serve god 100 it is inevitable that the enemy will come to try to discourage and fight against you in any way possible. And in this case with Joseph, his family is the one that's betraying him. Anybody in here been betrayed by family? Huh? Anybody here been betrayed by family? Anybody in here been betrayed by friends? My friends, when this transpires, you do not need to complain. I'll say it again. When the negative things begin to transpire, you are not to complain. Let me show you. Let me show you. Matthew. Matthew. I'm telling you that you don't need to complain, but I'm also going to, by God's grace, share some beautiful message with you here. In Matthew chapter 4. 
Notice what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 4. And I had to go through this, friends. I mean, I remember being lied on. I mean, lied on. Hurt my pocketbook. It hurt my, my reputation in ministry. Lied on. Lied. And notice what the Bible says. And I was angry. Now, when this was going on, when I was being lied on, I was angry. Matthew 5, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad. Hmm. Rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Rejoice. Rejoice, my friends. When people are treating you wrong, rejoice. <laughs> let, me just, let me just say right here. That is out of this world. Like, you can't do that yourself. There's no way somebody beating you up, lying on you, talking behind your back, and you're going to be like, praise the Lord. The only way you're going to be able to do that if you understand the process that God is trying to take you through. The fire is designed to refine your unworthiness. You follow what I'm saying? Like, you need that fire. Like, I need this test. I rejoice that God has me in this test so that as I go through it, I can come forth as gold. Persecution is not the time to start complaining. Hard times are not the time to start complaining. It is in the hard times. It is in the pain. It is in the struggle that self is being managed and dealt with and put in its proper place. And it hurts, friends. Yes, yes, Sister Ingrid, it hurts. Like, I'm telling you right now, I, if I could give you a sob story, I could give it to you. But the instruction is to rejoice. It's counterintuitive. Rejoice. Friends, there's something about the praise and worship of God that as you are praising and worshiping him, his presence is present in the midst of that praise. Now, I'm not talking, listen, when I say that, my friends, I'm not talking about the jumping up and down, doing flips in church type thing. I'm talking about real praise. And you can jump, if that's how you praise at home, that's fine. I'm talking about genuine praise from the heart. When you praise, God himself manifests himself and those gloomy, dark thoughts start going away. I hope I'm helping somebody right now. I hope, I hope you're paying attention right now. See, as a Christian, we somehow in our minds have thought when we become Christians, everything is blessed and easy. No, you become a Christian, everything is blessed and designed to prepare you to see God when he comes to those clouds. I hope you're following. So don't be upset when hard times come. You should be afraid because you have no hard times. Come on now. 
I'm not saying you have to make up hard times. I'm just saying the enemy will fight against anyone who is beginning to reflect the character and person of God. And I don't need to be afraid of him. In fact, as I walk in the spirit of God and as you walk in the spirit of God, the enemy of souls is afraid. One person, individual, child of God, who bends on their knee causes all the hosts of hell to tremble. So I don't need to be upset and angry. Think about this now. The, 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 designed, the designed trials, the trials that God allowed his children to go through, his son Joseph to go through, those trials were designed to place him in the throne when his name was called. He went from a pit to a palace. And the reason why he went from the pit to the palace is because he was already living according to the vision that God put in his heart. So while he was ordering Potiphar's house, he was functioning as the manager of a whole nation. Are you following? When he was managing that jail, because he went and put him in jail, he rose to the top. And as he's managing that jail, really in reality, my friends, he's managing a nation. Whatever skill sets he learned in his trial prepared him for the ultimate test and sitting at the side of the Pharaoh during the great famine. I hope you guys are following what I'm saying. The trials are designed by God as a blessing. A blessing. A blessing that should be embraced by the people of God. A blessing, my friends. So I, I hope this week as you're going through your trial, something happens to you that you don't like. You say, praise God. Hallelujah. Because you begin to understand how God moves and how he functions. And now you know why you're praising. So the hard time comes. It will happen. If it don't happen next week, it'll happen the week after. Something's going to transpire that will test your mettle. The question is, will you allow God to work in you what you cannot ever work in yourself? So here I just have a list of all the different mockings that the people of God have gone through when they believe the truth. Number four. What has been your response in those situations and how could you have done better? In what situations? When you're being mocked and mistreated, how are you responding under duress? I do want to look at these verses. Genesis chapter 37. Go there very quickly. Genesis chapter 37. Begin at verse 4. Genesis 37, 4 says, And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. Right? So this is this is what they're doing to their brother. They can't speak nice to him. Verse 8, And his brethren said unto him, Shall thou indeed reign over us, or shall thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams. He still keeps going. Verse 11. Verse, verse, verse 10. And he told it to his father and to his brethren, and his father rebuked him and said unto him, what is this dream that thou hast dreamt? Shall I, uh, shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow and down ourselves to thee? Huh. And for and his brethren envied him, but his father observed the same. Hmm. This is powerful. Because at the end of the day, my friends, when you're looking at Joseph, family, friends, betrayal. You're looking at the reality of what can happen and has happened in your experience in your life. 
And how are you bearing that, my friends? How are you going through that process? Is it reflecting the reality that you love God and that you know him, that he, no matter what, and this is where I had to correct myself because I'm going through a hard time right now and I'm, I'm going through the hard time and I'm like, yo, am I complaining about it? Somebody's like, yeah, Andre is natural to grieve. I'm like, yeah, it's good to grieve, but God says rejoice. So it's hard to rejoice and grieve simultaneously. There must be something there in that instruction designed specifically for our mental health and our spiritual health, right? Specifically for that. So what has been your response in those situations and how could you have done better? Because the situations are coming. First Peter, go to first Peter. First Peter chapter three. First Peter, hmm. chapter three. It's interesting. These, my Bible is old now. I mean, I've had it for several months since uh, December of last year, I believe. And when you start opening the Bible and turning the pages. If you haven't turned them a lot, they like to stick together. First Peter 3, verse 12 through 16 says, For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. It says, And who is he that will harm you if ye be followers of that which is good? But and if you suffer for righteousness sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to, to every man that ask you of the reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Hmm. Hmm. Verse 16, having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conduct or conversation in Christ. So, they, so there you have it. It is in the process of sanctification that God begins to work out some of this stuff inside of us. And it's also interesting. Let me see where I saw that at. It says, but if you suffer for righteousness sake, what does it mean to suffer? Like, what does it mean that you suffer for Christ's sake? What does that mean to you to suffer for Christ? Once you define what it means to suffer for Christ, that is how you're supposed to live. And we have to be honest, my friends, we have not necessarily given God everything. I mean, everything. We have not necessarily done that. We haven't. Because when you give it everything, then when those trials and tribulations come, your natural default will be to praise and honor and worship. My natural default was I'm going to lay in bed. I don't know. I don't know if I can keep going. This is hard. The Lord's like, Andre. It's not about you, son. Yeah, I was doing a study this morning with a group of people, and we're studying the woman that was caught in adultery. And as we're going through the story, I realized even clearer than I did before. The trials that we go through are really a test by the front by the enemy against God. So, like, and there are times when God Himself tests us. That's one thing, but. Sometimes the tests come and they are designed literally to shake you out 
from loving God and to put God in a way that doesn't make sense. So like the woman that was caught in adultery, when they threw her in the midst of the people, Jesus did not address their 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 uh, red herring accusation. He dealt with the real matter, wrote each man's sin in the ground, each one dropped a stone, each one walked away. It is in God's design that trials are part of our experience that should not be, when I say, it's not like you seek out trouble, but it should not be avoided, the conversations and, and the, the, the dealing with the issues that come from the trials and tribulations that we go through. Now, I remember not, not long ago, not long ago, maybe, maybe a week or two ago, I was so consumed with frustration, so consumed with being angry that I immobilized myself. I don't know if that's happened to you. Like you're so mad, you're so angry, you are immobilized. You don't do anything. Like you don't want to, you don't want to talk, you don't want to eat, you just want to sleep. And as I'm laying there, the Lord, the Lord is the is the the master counselor, right? So he I'm laying there uh, on on my couch with my just laying there and I'm talking to God, but trying not to think at the same time. And as I'm, I'm laying there, the Holy Spirit comes to me and says, vengeance is mine. I will repay. Vengeance is mine. Like, in other words, I don't have a right to vengeance. If I'm his child, he says, you give me the authority to deal with those who mistreat you. And you take my peace, Andre. You take my peace. You take my peace. Man, I tell you the truth, as I sat, sat and thought about it and, and as I marinated as the days go by, it becomes more powerful in my mind. I want his peace. He can have my vengeance. In fact, today, <laughs> I called my friends before I came on, on the line here. I called a couple of my friends. I said, Operation Coals of Fire is in full effect. You guys know what, you know what Coals of Fire is about, right? Coals of Fire. Romans, go to Romans real quickly here. Romans, I'm 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 staying on this passage for for on this space for a reason. Romans, Acts, Romans, Romans chapter twelve, and look at verse number number twenty. Look at what the Bible says. Watch this. Therefore, if thy enemy hunger, what does it say? Starve your enemy to death. Is that what it says? No, <laughs> he doesn't say that. It says, therefore, if thy enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirsts, give him drink. Now, it's, it's laying out a principle that if somebody reads this literally, they'll be like, okay, literally do that. Yes, but the principle is beyond just food and water, because that's what it says. It's talking about food and water, but that's everything. You remember Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount? They say, they, Jesus said, if the man asks you to walk one mile, you walk two. If the man asks for your 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 cloak, give him your coat also. If a man smacks you in the face, turn the other cheek. These principles are foreign to us. And Romans 12, 20 says, therefore, if, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirsts, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire upon his head. You want to get back at your enemy? Be a Christian, a good one. A kind one, huh? 
They're like, they shouldn't be treating me like this. No, they shouldn't. We shouldn't be treating you like this. But you know why we treat you like this? Because God treats us like this. You hear what I'm saying? God can come down and just wipe us out because we're bad people. No, no, no. God doesn't do that. We're talking about the learning to love God. God doesn't do that. What does he do? He gives us fresh air every day. He gives us water to drink. We got food in the kitchen. We have friends. We have family. We have faith. We have fun. You know what I mean? We have we have all these things that God gives us even when we're not good. So if somebody's bad to you, you feel justified to be as bad or, or mad with them. No, friends, that's not how it works. Nope. Nope. And it takes time. Like, it takes time to learn this. Rejoice when your enemy persecutes you. That's the instruction. Do good to them that despitefully use you. That's the instruction. A divine instruction. A divine mandate. So I ask the question again. What has been your experience in response to those situations? And how could you have done better? How could you have done better when your family betrayed you, when you're thrown into a pit, when you're falsely accused, when you're jailed, when people forget you? I mean, you literally help folks out. They go and they they advance in their position and they forget all about you. You sit there and brew, you upset. How do you respond? You need to ask yourself the question. Ask yourself the question. I love this here. This is a quote from the book Education. And I, I think about this because when God gives you a vision, he gives you a dream. The dream and the visions is for you, from him, for you. Every man or every human being created in the image of God is endowed with a power akin to that of the creator. Interesting. A power akin or like unto that of the creator? What would be the power akin to that of the creator? Individuality. Power to think and to do. That is a power akin to that of our creator. The power to think and to do. Watch this now. The men, men being generic, the men in whom this power is developed are the men who bear responsibilities who are leaders in enterprise, who influence character. The men in whom this power is developed. So it's something that must grow. What's the power? The power to think and to do. Think about Joseph for a moment. I want, I want you to think about him. Every position that he was thrown in, whether at part of his house, he didn't start off in charge. He just worked really hard and he rose to the top. When he's thrown in prison, he didn't start out, start out in charge. He, he was diligent in whatever his responsibility was, and he raised them to the top. When you have the power to think and to do, you bear responsibilities. You are leaders in enterprise and influence of character. We all still need to grow in those areas. I like this quote from Martin Luther King Jr. It says, if a man is called a street sweeper, if a man is called a street sweeper, he should sweep streets even as Michelangelo painted or Beethoven composed music or Shakespeare wrote poetry. He should sweep streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth will pause to say, here lived a great street sweeper who did his job well. I was thinking about this concept as I was working at the garage today 
And sometimes people work for money. I don't work for money. Like the excellence of my work is not for money. You know, I, the Bible says, whatever you do, you do it as unto the glory of God. I work as, as, as if I'm working for God. When I go and sweep the floor, I sweep as if I'm working for God. As I'm at my regular responsibility, I do it as if I'm doing it for God. If you have this mindset, my friends, then the ownery leader or the ownery boss or the negative individual, because I have to collaborate with a negative person, <laughs> I'm not doing it for that person. They might think they're trying to motivate me with money. They might think they think they're motivating with me with fear or shame or whatever they're trying to do. I work, when I put my hands in the plow, it is for the honor of God. And when I'm done with my job, whatever it might be, Bible study or anything else, when I, when I look at it, will they be able to say, hey, here, this, 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 this is good work. And when they do that, they are praising my God in heaven, right? They're praising my God in heaven. So the quality of your work is your testimony in action. The quality of your work is your testimony in action. And you know what they say, actions speak louder than words. Remember now, Joseph is in a pit. He's out of the pit. He's in charge. He's out of being in charge. He's in jail. He's out of jail. Now he's before the king. And the reason why wasn't because he was preaching. It was because he was living. And his life reflected the calling that he knew from his childhood friends. He didn't necessarily know how it was going to happen. He just knew that vision was so real, so thick on his mind, that everything he did, he did with it in mind that he's about to sit on a throne somewhere ruling. He don't know where it's going to be. He didn't know if it's going to be in Egypt. It didn't, the vision didn't say it was going to be in Egypt. It just showed obeisance unto him. This is, this is serious, my friends. Think about it. When God has called you in to your walk with him, everything you do, everything you do is a preparatory work for a greater work. And I, I like to say it this way, faithfulness in obscurity prepares you for glory before the masses. Faithfulness in obscurity prepares you for glory before the masses go to go to the book of proverbs i believe it's proverbs proverbs chapter 22 psalms proverbs Pro, proverbs chapter 22 and i want to look at verse 29 it's become one of my favorite passages in all the scripture in proverbs 22 and verse 29 the bible says see as thou a man diligent in his business he shall stand before kings he shall not stand before mean men what do you mean mean men obscure men. He's going to stand before great men. When you have a task and an ability and you do it well, and you do it as unto God, God's like, I'm not going to keep you secret. <laughs> I'm, going to I'm going to show you off. And when he shows us off, it's not so that we take the glory for which he's working through us. It's so that we can point people back to the God of heaven. So faithfulness in obscurity prepares you for glory before the masses. 
Well, so what is the quality of your product or service? What is the quality of your product or service? Because whatever you're serving, whatever you're presenting, whatever you're putting before other people, the quality of what you're presenting tells a testimony or gives a a a a a, a sermon in shoes, right? It's a sermon in practicalness of the gospel because everybody want to preach but preaching is not going to finish the work me doing zooms is not going to finish the work what's going to finish the work how we live how we live that's what's going to finish the work what we put our hands to at our jobs or in our ministry is what's going to finish the work how we interact with our family that demonstrates whether or not the gospel works or not my friends we have a long way to go in these areas practical faithfulness to god go with me to first corinthians 10 10 23 first corinthians first corinthians chapter 10 acts romans first corinthians chapter 10 and we're looking at verse 23. notice what the bible says 1 Corinthians 10, 23, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. What, is, what does that mean? Just because I can do it doesn't mean I should do it because it may not be edifying or building up. So everything might be lawful, but not applicable. It says, let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. Now, when it says seek, seek his own, seek another's wealth, it's not saying seek to own it for yourself, but it's saying seek to benefit someone else, right? What are you doing to help benefit someone else? What is your service like to help someone else? Verse 31, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give none offense, neither to the Jews nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God practical instruction for how to live how to influence how to impact your community but wait there's more john chapter 9 look at verse 5. john chapter 9 john chapter 9 and verse 5 the bible says as long as i am in the world this is jesus speaking as long as i am in the world I am the light of the world. Jesus says he's the light of the world. Matthew chapter 5, verse 15. What does Matthew 5, 15 say? Jesus said that he is the light of the world. Matthew chapter 5, verse 15, it says, Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works and do what? And glorify your Father which is in heaven. There it is. There it is. Whatever you do, whatever you put your hands to do, do it with all your might. Do it as unto God, and God will receive glory for the faithfulness of the job that you're doing. All right. Ephesians chapter 6. Galatians, Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6. And we will start reading at verse number five, Galatians 
chapter 6, verse 5 says, Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling in the singleness of your heart as unto who, my friends? As unto Christ. Not with eye service as men's pleasers, but as the service of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. I like it. With good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall be shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. And ye, masters, do the same things unto them, forbearing threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is there respect of persons with him. Oh, I love the passage because it makes it extremely clear. The, the, the very idea is, guess what? Do your work as unto the Lord. And guess what? If you're managing a business or you're a CEO, treat your workers kindly, right? If you're a mom or a dad, the same applies. The same principles apply. I love it. Notice, notice what, what else we're going to cover here. So what are some things that you can, you can begin or practice now that will allow you to stand before kings? What is it that you can do right now preparing you to stand before kings? You know, one of the key things is, my friends, if you are at the feet of Jesus every day, the King of Kings and Lord, Lord, excuse me, Lord of Lords. If you're beholding Him every day, it's not going to be a big thing to stand before the rulers of the earth and to testify to the goodness of God, because they are nothing compared to the God of the universe, right? Nothing compared to the God of the universe. So, what are you doing to prepare to stand before kings? See a man diligent in his business. He shall stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. Luke chapter 16, verse 10. Go there with me very quickly. Luke chapter 16, verse 10. The Bible says, He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. I've had to counsel many young missionary minds and they want to do great things for God, but they don't make their bed, right? You want, they want to do great things. They want to preach sermons, but then they don't understand how to interact with those that are close nearby, learning how to do that first before preaching to the masses. Like there are steps. They say there are, there's levels to this. Jesus said himself again, I read in Luke 16, Verse 10, he that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in that which is least is unjust also in much. When you put your hand to something, do it with all your might. Be faithful in the small things while you're in prison, huh? while you are in, in Potiphar's, uh, not, in, not just in prison, but in the pit. Right? Wherever you find yourself that is not exactly what you thought you were going to be doing, be faithful in that task while you have it. And it prepares you for your next steps. And you didn't even know that that was transpiring. Faithfulness in obscurity prepares you for glory before the masses. So now that you have a vision. Again, I asked what your vision is from the beginning. What is your vision? I'll tell you my vision. I wish I could. I, I usually, 
Hold on one. Hold on one second. No, no. Let me not run over there. Let me not do that. Anyway, my vision is big. It's super big. Like it's so big. It's ridiculous how big it is, but it's big. <laughs> it's massive. And the Lord's been showing me, Andre, cut this out, do this, cut this out, do this. Structurally, intentionally, building, building, building. The Lord's like, okay, you got the, you're getting the corporate structure proper. Okay, what about your physical, physical health? Okay, now we got to build, 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 build. Okay, Andre, we're done with that. Guess what? Today, you're going to have somebody yell at you. <laughs> I don't like that plan. So the thing is, he doesn't tell you. Sometimes it just happens. Why are, why are you yelling at me? Why is he yelling at me? He start feeling away. But understand, it is in that trial, my friends, that God is refining you. He's refining me. Your child not speaking to you right? Refinement time. Time to rejoice. Your husband not speaking to you right? Time to rejoice. Your wife misbehaving? Time to rejoice. Because it's in these trials that God is designing and just developing character within. And one other thing, this time, this, this uh, idea of rejoicing is coupled with prayer. Because the reality is that you and I do not have the strength to do what God tells us to do unless we are vitally connected with him. I want to show you something else. And, I, and this is just about the character of God. I want you to I want to show you something about him when he gives these dreams and visions to you. And when I'm talking about dreams and visions, friends, I'm not simply talking about prophetic dreams. Sometimes God will speak to you and tell you what you should be doing. Job 33, 14 and 15. The Bible says, For God speaketh once, yea, twice, yet man perceiveth it not. In a dream. In a vision of the night, when deep sleep falls upon men and slumberings upon the bed, then he openeth the ears of men and sealeth their instruction, that he may withdraw men from his purpose and hide pride from men. Huh. He openeth their ears and sealeth their instruction in dreams. Let me take you somewhere else. Like, I know I've told this story before, but take you to the book of Daniel. Let me show you something in Daniel that I, like, I'm, like, literally, this, that idea matches this person so carefully. So Daniel chapter, I want to say chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2. And look at this. Daniel chapter 2, I want you to pay close attention to this. Now, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. He can't remember the dream, let alone interpret the dream, okay? So God sets this thing up so that Daniel has to come to the forefront, right? But watch this. So it says in Daniel chapter 2, we're going to look at verse number 25, okay? We we'll start at verse 25. We're going to read into the text we want to look at. It says, then Eric brought... In Daniel before the king in haste and said unto him, I have found a man of the captives of Judah that will make known unto the king the interpretation. And the king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshar, Belteshazzar, art thou able to make known unto me the dream which I have seen and the interpretation thereof? 
Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king hath demanded cannot the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers, shew unto the king. But there is a God in heaven. Pay attention now, my friends. But there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets and maketh known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days. Thy dream and the vision of thy head upon thy bed are these. As for thee, O king, thy thoughts came into thy mind upon thy bed. What shall come to pass hereafter? Now, I don't know about you, but when I have read this before, I never caught this. But I caught it way, you know, a couple of times back now. But I caught it. And here's what I caught. As for thee, O king, thy thoughts came into thy mind upon thy bed. What shall come to pass hereafter? And he that revealeth secrets maketh known to thee what shall come to pass. So Nebuchadnezzar couldn't remember the dream or the interpretation. God one-ups him. He says, I'm not going to just tell you the dream. And the interpretation, I'm going to tell you what you were thinking while you were about to go to bed and while you were dreaming. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So uniquely in this sense, when God gave Nebuchadnezzar the dream, even though it had eternal ramifications, the dream was specifically to answer Nebuchadnezzar's question. God is personal. That's why I say, my friends, sometimes our dreams are just for us. They're not for everybody else. The naysayers are going to kick it down. Oh, that's a bad idea. You shouldn't do that. Da, 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 da. Sometimes that dream is just for you. But notice what else it says. But as for me, the secret is not revealed, verse 30, to me for any wisdom that I have more than any, any living, but for their sakes that shall make known the interpretation of the king, interpretation to the king, that thou mightest know, what's to say, the thoughts of thy heart. So no, Daniel 2 was not designed specifically for the end time world prophecy seminar. That is not specifically, this vision was given so the king could know the matters of his own heart. And it was a warning to the king about the pride in his heart. Powerful, friends. Be careful. Be careful. In instruction from the Most High, he's giving warning. So here, Nebuchadnezzar doesn't even listen to the instruction. Next chapter, builds a whole image all of gold. I don't care what God said. <laughs> That's what Nebuchadnezzar said. I'm going to do what I do. Again, I find it interesting. Daniel and his friends are slaves in, in the kingdom and out of obscurity faithfulness in obscurity prepares one for glory before the masses. Daniel is a slave, a captive, and brought from that position and being faithful even in the little things prepares him to stand before the king and God is vindicated as he is faithful. Mm -hmm. So my challenge this evening is simple, friends. I, I'm not going to keep you long. What is your vision? What does God put on your heart? We see Joseph fulfilling his responsibility. He's standing at the right hand of the Pharaoh, saving not just his own family, but saving a whole pagan nation. What is your vision? What does God put in your heart?
Have you given up on your vision? Have you tried to solve the vision that God gave you in your own strength? That might be a problem. I know that's part my problem, right? No, the vision, when it comes from God, it must be in his strength. Not my own. Proverbs. I want you to go to Proverbs. We want to end in Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 27. Proverbs chapter 27. And we're going to begin reading at verse 23. Proverbs 27, verse 23. The Bible says, Be thou diligent to know the state of thy flocks, and look well to thy herds, for riches are not forever. And doth the crown endure to every generation? The hay appeareth, and the tender grass showeth itself, and the herbs of the mountains are gathered. The lambs are for thy clothing, and the goats are the price of the field. And thou shalt have goat's milk enough for thy food, for the food of thy household, and for the maintenance of thy maids. What's, what's the vision here? You're going to have enough to take care of yours. What is your vision? What has God put in your heart to do? What does He put? A, what does He put in your in your mind to do? It's not even. It's like you don't have anything that's there to get it done. What has He put in your hands? I here, here's. I'm going to give you part of my vision. So, our our training school is called Tacoa Missions, right? So our name is about to change. We're about to change our name, and there's a reason for it. There's a reason why we're about to change the name, but we're about to change the name. And I remember, I'll, I'll never forget this, when and when it was put on my heart to start a school like this. I was in missionary training school. I was inside the Review and Herald. They had a training school inside the Review and Herald. I'll never forget this. And as we were inside that school in the Review and Herald, the thought came to my mind because I was having such a good time. Like I was learning so much. Andre, you need to start a school like this. I'm like, start a school like this? Need to start a school like this. It was, it was, I didn't make that up. That that's not what I wanted to do. Need to start a school like this. So from that time, for 10 years, 10 years it took for me to finally connect with others who had a similar vision, and we we ended up starting the school. But I tell you the truth. When that vision was first given me, I had one thought in my mind, what I thought it was. And then when I started the school, I was like, I don't even, you know, I was happy. And then a couple of years in, I'm like, why? Why am I doing this? <laughs> you can't do God's work without God. The vision comes to your mind, begin to work, begin to pray, begin to work, begin to pray. And the more you work, the more you pray, the more gets done and God's name is glorified. We got this property. I think not this one, the first one. I'll just tell you the story about the first one. I'm not going to talk about this one. Story about the first one. First property we got. I'll never forget it. Mind you, the vision in my mind was we're going to start a school. How are we going to get it done? Not sure. I tell my wife, I told my wife all the time back in the day, let's act like we live in the country. Because we didn't have no country money. Let's act like we live in the country. Let's go to let's go to the store like we have to actually drive there, not like it's right up the street. You know, can we go to the miss something? You can drive back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. You live in a country, you're not trying to drive back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, trying to save gas money, you know? So you, we just start strategizing like we're already living in the country. We're praying. We have no money to do it, though. 
Now I'll never forget this. The place that we were pressed that we were at at that time, the Lord had miraculously given to us by, and that's a whole nother story. But that time was running out. So we had to find another place. And a friend of mine called and said, Hey, Drake, we there's this property up in New Hampshire. It used to be a place where the other mission projects used to take place, but no one's really there right now per se. You might they I think they have space. You could probably ask for space. So we go there. No, we don't go there. They told me that. I said, How much is it? They're like, uh, it's five thousand dollars a month. I'm like, yo, I can't do that. You know, my rent right now is thirteen hundred. That's you know, that's where I'm at. You know, the place that we had our school that was free, that that's about to go away. So I can't. We it's free, and I was only paying thirteen hundred. Five thousand dollars is five times the amount. No, nah, I can't do that. Can't do that. So I didn't go. I didn't go to look at the property because I didn't want to go there wishful thinking. I've done that with so many others. And then I remember uh, a month later getting a call. Hey, Dre, how come you haven't gone look at the property? I was like, bro, it's too expensive. It's like, look, look, just come. Just check it out. You never know what's going to happen. So my friend drives me up there. And I remember when we first turned into that road, it was a dirt road. And we turned on that dirt road. We drove up the mountain, got to the top. That thing opens up. I think it was 163 acres. There was a mansion to the right. There's a big blue house to the left, big, big blue house, a carriage house up there, old rundown factory. And all I saw was, man, this could be our place. So I said, let me not get hyped, man, because I don't want to get excited. <laughs> I don't want to get excited about something I can't have. So we walk around. I'm like, man, this is absolutely perfect. The big blue house had all these rooms in it. Guys can be upstairs. Girls can be downstairs. There's a place for a family to be. And I'm like, for the size that we were, it's like almost a perfect fit. We walk through there. I'll never forget. We walk into the kitchen and the gentleman says, okay, so how you like it? I was like, yeah, we liked it a lot. How much is it? Now I told you it's 163 acres. Upstairs have five bedrooms. Downstairs have five bedrooms. The, there was a, there was a living quarter quarters for a family so that's like their own apartment had a living room had a kitchen and then there's a basement and then there's a greenhouse over there how much is it he said well we we thought about it and we think you know 600 a month would be good i don't think anybody's listening so 600 a month 600 i said six i said hold on what did you say he said 600 a month. Friends, 163 acres, 10 bedrooms, an apartment, a full basement, greenhouse, 600 a month. I'm like, yo, pass the paper. Pass the paper over here. To me, my friends, we started small. Initially, we only had five students at the other place where we had the free house. Now, we got this other place, 600 a month, all these acres, all these rooms. God is faithful. When he gives you a vision, when he gives you a dream, it is his responsibility to fulfill it. It is our responsibility to be faithful in the processes that we are in. Don't give up. Don't start complaining. Don't, I don't want to do, I can't believe it. I can't. And 
I'm telling you from experience. I wish I could tell you more stories, more of how God has been faithful, even when I have not been faithful. God is so good. Even how we got this place, miracle. When you set your mind, when God gives you a vision and instruction, move to the country. That's his instruction. How are you going to do it? You go to God. Father, he told you. He told you. So now you go back to him and say, okay, Father, you told me in your word that we need to be out of the city in the country. You said that. I didn't say that. You said that. You told me in your word that this was supposed to be done with our lifestyle. I didn't say that. You said that. So how do we get it done, Father? And the Father would instruct you. Go back to my word. Go back to those books. Here's some knowledge that outside of the books that you can use. Go back to his word. You can trust him, friends. You can trust him. All God's biddings are his enablings. All his instructions are for your benefit and for your good. And, and Joseph had to tarry. He had to wait till that vision was manifested. He had to, he was in, I'm, uh, if that happened, half of what happened to Joseph happened to us, we would have been out. Woe is me. If half of what happened to him, betrayed by family, sold into slavery, rises in power, then is falsely accused of the most grotesque thing, thrown in prison, but arises to power and then helps these two men and is forgotten once the man arrives out of the pit, out of the prison. That's his journey. What's yours? What's your story? What's your testimony? What will your testimony be? I know my testimony is out of control. I'm telling you right now. I'll, I, one day I'll be able to share all my testimony. But right now my testimony is out of control. Man, I, I can't even. I'll tell you one other one. One other one that I thought was phenomenal. And there's so many. So we, we were in need of a van, a van a 15 passenger van. And because we had, you know, our institution, right? We were small. It's not like we have a lot of money at that time. And so the Revere and Herald was selling one of their vans for $8,000. So I said to the person at the review, how much is it? They say 8000 I said, okay. We didn't have no money for that. I go to the Most High. And I went to the Most High and I prayed. And I said, Father, I'm not going to ask anybody for money. Not this time. And we need $8,000. And I left it with him. At that time, I was doing an evangelistic series in Florida. And I walked out from the meeting. We had just finished the meeting for that night. And I walked out. And I heard this voice in the darkness. Brother Waller. Pastor Waller. And I'm looking around. I don't see nobody. And the person said, do you need money? <laughs> like, what kind of questions is that, right? Do you need money? Uh, yeah. Now, I did not ask for it. I did not make an appeal for it. Nothing of the sort. The person just brought it out. Do you need money? I said, yeah. I finally found where they were, and I went and talked to him and his at his wife at the time. And they said, hey, Brother Waller, uh, so we won't be here tomorrow, but we'll be here on the next day. And... When we come back, we will give you, you know, a check. 
Now they didn't tell me how much it's gonna be. They didn't. They didn't tell me anything other than they're gonna bring me a check. I said, "All right, praise the Lord." So guess how much they brought? Get. I type it in the chat. How much do you think this family brought that day when they came back? How much do you think they brought? How much? Okay, we got nine, we got eight. Yeah, let me tell you how much they brought. I prayed for 8,000. They gave 8,000. I'm not lying. I'm this. I prayed to the Most High. I told the Most High, Father, I believe this is what we need. The Father said, I'm going to go talk to this family over here. That family's going to go ahead and donate this. Boom. And they gave that. And I'm like, if only, and I thought about this earlier today too, as I was praying and talking to God, the, the enemy knows, the enemy knows that if we prayerfully on our knees, constantly in our hearts, constantly in communion with God, the devil knows that he is one gazillion percent weak when it comes to dealing with us. Why do we worry? Why do we try to make decisions without him? It doesn't even make sense to me why I go through these things all the time. Why, Andre, knowing all the stuff that you know, knowing all the experiences that you have, God can do an amazing, 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 amazing work in our lives if we just give him permission, man. Yvette says you should do a meeting about sharing all your testimony. <laughs> I have so many. I have so many. I'm waiting on a great, a great, a even greater one right now. The Lord's reminding me, Andre. What does it say? The heart of the king is in the Lord's hands. Yeah, yeah. You guys pray. You guys pray. I don't, I can't tell you what what to what I'm praying for, but I, if you would join me in a sacred prayer. Uh, that a super miracle happens in the heart of someone I love. And if you could join me in a prayer like that, that would be huge. That would be huge. You know, God is good. Over and over again, he's shown himself faithful. Even this week, faithful. Faithful, friends. So whatever God puts on your heart, my friends, be faithful in that responsibility. And God will, not may, God will Work everything in your behalf. May God grant us the wisdom to be in position and ready to reflect him. And be ready to reflect him on a daily basis. On a daily basis, my friends. May God help us. If you understood our study tonight, just type amen. If you understood our study tonight, just type amen and amen if you didn't understand okay praise god praise god praise god you know like like i said friends i'm telling you the truth preaching opening the word of god it's a gift that god's given and i and i'm i'm like it's so amazing how throughout the day or as you're communing with him, and it's not just about preaching, but as you're communing with him, he gives you what to say. Like, it's happened multiple times this week. 
And I'm just so happy. I'm so happy that God is working in our hearts. He's so good. And I'm just asking, begging you guys to enter into prayer with me, not just for my circumstance, but I ask that you enter into prayer as a group for each other, knowing that God will and can do abundantly above whatever we ask or think. Let's bow our heads together. Father in heaven, just want to thank you and praise you for your goodness and your mercy. I want to thank you, Father, for never giving us what we deserve, but giving us what your dear son does. Lord, as we enter into a process that I know for me, you've given me Operation Coals of Fire. Lord, will we do kind deeds to those that do us wrong? Will we walk the extra mile when someone asks us to walk one? Will we give our coat in addition to giving our cloak as well, Father? As we turn the other cheek as they, they've already slapped on the other side. Lord, only you can give us this type of experience where we would love to serve you and rejoice when others persecute us and turn 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 aside from us lord when troubles come our way that we turn our face to you father you alone can do this but help us to receive your instruction for everything you bid us to do you enable us to do it too father we love you father we beg of you to teach us to love you more than anything else in this world we pray this in the name of Jesus and claim the merits of his holy and most precious blood. Amen. Amen. All right, my friends, have a wonderful night. God bless you. Have a wonderful and blessed Sabbath. If you're listening to this, have a blessed day. Uh, have a good night. This concludes another episode of The Gospelpreneur. Be sure to subscribe and share with your friends so we can all grow together. Until next time, be the abundance and be blessed.